You're listening to Simpler One Earth Living from Jubilee One Earth Economics and Simple Living Works with co-hosts Lee Van Ham and Jerry Iverson. Student debt is in the news somewhere every day. Betsy DeVos, U.S. Secretary of Education the past four years, relentlessly followed the notion that every individual is responsible for the debt they incurred. But so far this year, student loan forgiveness has benefited two groups, Americans with permanent disabilities and borrowers who attended now-defunct institutions such as ITT. For disabled students, $5.8 billion in student loan debt has been forgiven for 323,000 borrowers with a total and permanent disability. For students who went for for-profit schools, $3.7 billion has been forgiven the debt of those borrowers. But these figures are less than 1% of the $1.7 trillion of all student debt. What is being done for the students who still feel the weight of 99% of student debt? That's what we're talking about today with Eric LeCompte, Director of Jubilee USA Network. So glad to have you along. Greetings, Lee, from Paso Robles, California, and Simple Living Works. And greetings to you, Jerry, from San Diego and Jubilee One Earth Economics. Uh, I'm really happy. It seems like I say this about every time I interview someone, but I am really happy that we get to share Eric LeCompte, Director of Jubilee USA Network, with listeners today. Uh, Eric aims to apply Jubilee Economics at the policy level of how student debt is structured at the federal level in one earthy jubilee and simpler living works, we aim to practice jubilee economics with the powers of grassroots organizing. Well, speaking personally, my personality and call are with grassroots practices. That's what stirs my passion. Policy work, except at the most local level, it just drains my energy really fast. So, It's good, Jerry, to talk with a Jubilee colleague who gets energized by policy work with national and international debt policy makers. If you are part of a family struggling with student debt, you likely know that student debt now totals nearly $1.7 trillion, exceeding both total car loans and credit card loans. Only mortgage loans are a bigger part of economic debt. Rugged individualism holds that I must pay off the debt I incur, but that fails to recognize the structures of debt. Debt is not structured by individuals, but by powerful financial and political groups that make repayment strenuously difficult. For many, impossible. Such debt is immoral and destroys creativity to the extent that all, not just the debtor, suffer. That's why, in a Jubilee worldview, debt is forgiven after a reasonable period of time. Jubilee refuses to marginalize people in perpetuity because of debt. All people must be treated as kin in the human family, and that disallows any perpetual separation into loan makers and borrowers. So, we continue to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And for all who pray the other version, which is forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, remember that the greatest trespasses are the structural ones that separate people from one another, dividing us into categories like have-gots and have-nots. With either version of the prayer, 
We're praying to forgive economic evils that separate us from one another and from our souls. Let's go now to Lee's pre-recorded conversation with Eric Lecomte, director of Jubilee USA Network. Well, I'm really delighted to be inviting Eric Lecomte today to the Simpler Living One Earth podcast. And uh, we've had uh, we've been sort of common conspirators over the years with uh, the biblical jubilee and, and seeking to put it into action here in the 21st century. How long have you been at this, uh, Eric? Welcome. Thank you. Well, it's so good to be with you. I'm glad we have this opportunity to have a, a conversation because it's just so important right now. Uh, I've been working with Jubilee USA as, as part of our national team um, for about 12 years. I, I've been involved uh, with Jubilee overall uh, for almost 25 years. And uh, really during that time, I have focused uh, much of my efforts, my vocation on working with religious communities and institutions on uh, impacting uh, human rights and economic rights. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, um, <laughs> though I've known of you and have had a little face-to-face -face contact here on your visit to San Diego, and I follow Jubilee USA Network um, rather irregularly, actually. Um, <clears throat> uh, so this is, this is the most intensive time that I, that I feel we've had to, to talk in a long time. Um, so I especially am I'm interested today in addressing the issue leading, leading off of student debt. Um, this impacts uh, people close to me uh, in a most profound way. And then in the larger way, uh, I think it's a drag on the whole economy. And certainly it's keeping a lot of lot of young adults uh, from following the real call of their hearts because they simply can't figure out how to pay debt and also follow what they believe in many cases is a divine call or a uh, certainly a deep passion of their hearts. So uh, what is the Jubilee USA Network doing around student debt? I know there's been a couple of sectors that have had debt cancellation, but where are we now? So uh, student debt is a, a very important issue, and it affects many of us, not only students, but uh, often uh, grandparents, parents, friends are asked to be co-signers on loans. And just like other types of loans, there are good loans, better loans, there are bad loans. And of course, at the heart of all of this is the question of um, what kind of education should be enough, and should we be uh, ensuring that everyone receives uh, without putting a particular cost on that. But, you know, without getting into those particular issues, you know, right now, student debt is in the news every day. Mm. Uh, just this week, um, the Biden administration, uh, as well as the Department of Education, noted that they were canceling the debts of more than 100,000 students, um, and, you know, in the, in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, and they were canceling this debt because uh, it's considered to be predatory debt. So uh, unfortunately, uh, even with education um, that, that we're able to be a part of, that our, our kids um, uh, go through, uh, there's, there's bad debt, debt that's predatory. So uh, a big technical college that I, I know many of your listeners may be familiar with, ITT, uh, which no longer exists. Other groups like DeVry, they really no longer exist. 
these were either uh, in-place institutions or online institutions that helped you figure out your financing, and the financing was predatory, um, meaning that it was very high interest rates or interest rates that would change, but perhaps most significantly, um, there wasn't a guarantee uh, of a delivery of a product. So um, if you were signing up for a course that might help you be able to uh, work in the computer or software industry, you weren't actually being taught what you needed or actually received that final certificate. So these types of predatory loans we've seen recently being canceled, and that's certainly progress. But I think as you noted, Lee, the problem is much, much larger. So when we talk about um, the entirety of US student debt, right now it's the second largest debt um, that households uh, hold. Uh, the only higher type of household debt at this point is mortgage debt in the United States. But the second highest household debt in the United States totaling at $1.57 trillion is student debt. So 10 years ago, a little more than two years, uh, 10 years ago, in 2010 actually, student debt at that point surpassed um, credit card debt mm. uh, and auto loan debt. Mm. So it's, it's a serious issue. Now, I think it's really important to kind of break that down into a number of questions. You know, one is as a society, what do we uh, owe one another? And should mm -hmm. we be going into such devastating mm. debt? Uh, certainly as wealthy as a country as we are, should we be going into such debt um, to go to school and send our kids to school? Uh, and, and I think that's something that's certainly uh, a heart of the broad, broader conversation. Uh, but then when we're talking about the coronavirus and the debt moratoriums on student debt that have taken place over the last year, that's been very important for a significant part of the population uh, that's really been struggling. Now, there are different proposals in Congress, uh, as well as considered by the Biden administration to totally cancel student debt. I'm not sure that would happen, but economists, many economists argue that would be a great boon for the economy. It would allow young people to invest in the economy uh, and not be so strapped and saddled uh, with, with debt uh, along with their families. Uh, I think another important piece to break down is that you know, with this student debt, right now we have a significant amount of people who are really struggling who have debt, and that could be as high as 50 to 60%. But then you have about 40% of that student debt uh, of people um, who are uh, doctors, lawyers, very high uh, uh, paid professionals. Uh, and again, there's a question of how much debt they should pay or whether or not they should in a society like ours. But I, I like to separate that because, you know, outside of that, we have a lot of families who have gotten hooked up with loans uh, as well as students um, that are really struggling and struggling more through the pandemic. And uh, I think in the short term, we really need to see uh, there be more uh, relief uh, that's dedicated towards them. In the long term, uh, as a country, as a society, we really need to just as you know, Jubilee, this idea we talk about, you know, what is enough? What does it mean to, to all have enough? Mm -hmm. I, I believe that question uh, of education is a part of that and how the United States does this, where 92% of the loans come from the federal government, which at least is a little bit better, but then you have 8% of private sector 
loans, um, which have less oversight uh, and protection, is you know we need to get to the bottom of of how we deal with debt uh, in a way uh, that we can offer relief in the face of the coronavirus, um, get these debts cut um, from people that are are struggling and that have really become a burden, and then answer the overall question of how much is enough and. How do we ensure that we all can have enough in terms of access to quality education? Yes. Um, so if there's someone who has uh, more debt than they feel they can pay, and it was incurred, let's say, as a, as a single parent household, that kind of thing, you know, um, how, do, how does that, where does that fit into the, the current picture? Is there any, I guess what I'm asking is, how uh, would Jubilee USA network or how could any of us uh, make an argument to forgive a huge percentage or all of that kind of debt? I mean, certainly it would be consistent with the biblical Jubilee to do so after a certain number of years. But um, yeah, we're, what seems to be a convincing argument or maybe we don't care about what's convincing at the moment, maybe we proclaim it. A, a kind of moral and economic argument for it. How, 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 where are you with that? Well, you know, I think there's a number of questions uh, that we face. I think there, there's a very strong moral argument that we should be making that's part of the Jubilee message, which includes healthcare, education, and protecting our planet. Um, and, you know, in different ways, biblically, I wouldn't say that, you know, all those things are actually named specifically, but when we're talking about a society having access to enough, I think those are issues that we need to be speaking about um, in a way uh, that uh, is, is really propelled uh, by a moral vision, um, which is deeply tied to all of our religious traditions uh, in terms of ensuring that uh, we're all protected from having too much or too little. Uh, I think one of the real challenges that we face around student loans in particular uh, is student debt uh, is considered outside of domestic bankruptcy processes. So mm. in the United States, we have bankruptcy processes and those processes are actually very important. I know that sometimes bankruptcy can have a, a, a negative meaning or connotation, but, but the idea of bankruptcy, we actually believe is something that uh, to some degree, in terms of there being a continual process, uh, is actually suggested uh, in the Hebrew and Christian scriptures uh, in terms of processes to ensure that um, we're protected uh, and ensured to have enough. Uh, and, and bankruptcy does that. Um, and bankruptcy can step in uh, at times when um, our, our mortgage debt, uh, different types of household debt, credit debt, other loans and things we have become unmanageable uh, to help us cut that debt uh, and get some relief and go through an organized process uh, with rules. Uh, unfortunately, um, right now, student debt doesn't fall under that. So if a family is co-signing for whatever type of loan, and they may have also um, debt because of health issues, they may have debt because of credit card issues, or again, right now, because of the pandemic, 30% of family businesses have closed. Um, so all these people are having uh, an incredibly challenging time. Um, when you go through a bankruptcy process, you can bring all those debts to the table, 
except for the student debt. So, you know, I think that says something about a structural shift, which we need to call for just in terms of um, U.S. law uh, at looking at those particular issues. Um, you know, there are different ways to look at, at debt. And at Jubilee USA, we, we kind of, we really work in a way where we try to focus on a part of an issue to raise awareness, but also to try and have a strategic impact. So for many years, um, we worked uh, on um, Stafford federal loans and, and these Pell Grants, which are very important. They benefit a, a significant part of the, the population, lower income, middle class people, um, and they're either grants or low interest loans. Um, well, uh, three or four years ago, we actually had about four years in a row where there were real fights in Congress uh, around changing the payment rules and the interest rates around these things, and, and perhaps even making it more difficult to forgive yeah. these types of loans. So implicit in these, these types of loans also for the people that receive them, uh, if their incomes stay under a certain amount of level for a period of time, or if they're doing service work or something like that, they actually have the ability to get these, these types of loans forgiven. But we were dealing with fights in Congress and again, dealing you know, with low income, middle class on, on the lower side of the spectrum, um, folks who were gonna lose access or not get as favorable access to these vital tools to be able to go to school. Uh, so we worked on campaigns and successfully won those, uh, which you know, kept the ability to forgive them as well as interest rates low um, in perpetuity and found a way to, to stabilize that. So that's just, of course, a segment of it. Uh, and there are times that we try to run very strategic campaigns. You know, over the course of those years, we had about 150 different faith communities across the country that worked with us uh, on that process and eventually moved Republicans and Democrats in Congress to do the right thing. Uh, but then there's the broader pieces that are on the table right now, uh, which I think are significant, both looking from a point of justice as well as from a point of economics. I mean, it seems that you know any level of forgiveness of student loans is going to be a huge buoy to the economy, because most people that receive student loans would put that money back into the economy uh, in some way. Uh, but from that justice point of view, I feel it's really important that we continue to raise the broader questions of access to education, cost of education, uh, as well as ensuring um, that uh, student debts uh, can be dealt with uh, in practical ways like any other type of debt. Yeah, so um, I guess what, if I'm understanding right, there's no particular single campaign at the moment um, that's underway, or uh, but you're look, trying to identify where in this broader picture looking at the whole issue of debt uh, we can be more strategic. Do I understand correctly? Well, I, yes, and I, I think we need to do both because we need to be pushing the envelope on the larger conversation. Uh, I, I think one of the things that's very important right now, especially in the pandemic, uh, is being able to continue to look at um, how, how vulnerable people, as well as people struggling because of the pandemic, are affected uh, by, by student debt. So, you know, this week when the Biden administration canceled the debt of 100,000 people, 
um, this has been, you know, continually happening um, in in pockets over the last few months where we're moving forward with debt cancellation, we're moving forward with debt payment moratoriums. Uh, and, and so I, I think if from our point of view, uh, as an, an organization, a religious institution, which really believes in uh, lifting uh, and increasing the voice of participation of vulnerable communities, that's where we're really looking at the student debt question. Even though it affects all of us and, and uh, many of us in a very negative way, right now we're trying to look at how do we look at policies around student debt uh, that uh, can really uh, help lift uh, the most vulnerable. Okay, so if um, for listeners who are perhaps learning about Jubilee USA Network or hearing about it for the first time, Eric, and who um, know of someone who is, is um, <clears throat> bearing a good deal of student debt uh, into their adult years, uh, is what, how, how, can, how can they connect in, in the most meaningful, most strategic way um, with you or with, I mean, I know there's other groups like Debt Collective and some others working on this issue too. Um, but what, what's, your, what's your suggestion for people who are saying, you know, gosh, I, I try not even to think about this in my life because it's so, it's so overwhelming. <clears throat> uh, and, and so how, how, can, how can you speak a word uh, in that context? Well, there's a lot of good news uh, in terms uh, of the reality that when we look at student debt, there are many groups that are working on it. There are a lot of groups that are very concerned about it. And in particular, because of the pandemic uh, and the economic challenges that uh, a significant part of the US population continues to face, um, student debt and the challenges with it have been in the news uh, a lot more. Uh, so certainly there are, are groups that are working on different types of cancellation that you can find out more about. Um, a lot of national religious institutions have made student debt uh, a priority, so they're also looking at these particular issues. But you can find out more, of course, uh, at Jubilee USA, www.jubileeusa.org, uh, to look at information uh, on student debt. Now, something your listeners can do uh, right away, uh, if this is an issue that uh, they really want to, to be able to have an impact on, uh, there is something that we all can do, that your listeners can do. There is legislation in front of Congress right now uh, which would move forward uh, a total cancellation of student debt. Uh, and that's sponsored by Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. Uh, and the message uh, that callers uh, need to deliver to Congress is, is very simple. Uh, if your listeners are willing to call uh, your local representative uh, and your senators, uh, the message is, is we believe that student debt is harming our economy, uh, and especially because of the pandemic, this is a moment where we must cancel all student debt. We ask that you co-sponsor student debt cancellation uh, sponsored uh, by Senators Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Now, will that legislation actually pass? Probably not. I, I think some version of it may that would cut some debt, but the important part is that when callers call their member of Congress, 
members of Congress really do count the calls on issues, whether that's a Democrat or Republican. Uh, and especially right now, since one particular party has more control than the other, uh, making these phone calls uh, in favor of student debt cancellation are incredibly important right now. So uh, after your listeners uh, hear the podcast today, uh, please call the Capitol switchboard. You can pull the number uh, right off our website. You can just Google it uh, and tell your representative and your two senators uh, to support uh, total debt cancellation on all student debt. Okay, that's pretty clear. Uh -huh. and, and by the way, for you who uh, find particular authority in, in uh, the Jewish and Christian scriptures, you know, you, you can check Deuteronomy 15 and you can just think of, of all the times that uh, whether you call it the Our Father or the Lord's Prayer gets recited to forgive us our debts. Some, some use the other version of forgive us our trespasses, but it, it's, it's pretty fascinating to me that there's this prayer that was taught by Jesus to say, that was so focused in debt. In many ways, you know, we're, we're finding a huge uh, structural issue, I think, because in many ways, uh, debt is how the U.S. economy grows. Um, and of course, that's, that growth, economic growth continues to be, um, I, I'm just going to call it the, an amazing, uh, an, out, an outrageous idolatry in our country that uh, we just can't look at and really and really consider alternatives to in terms of really measuring how our economy can be successful. Um, we don't have a lot of time left before I know you have to go to another um, commitment, but um, uh, I kind of have segued into, I guess, um, the larger picture of our economy. And um, so, so what other ways is Jubilee USA Network uh, seeking to express this uh, view, this Jubilee world view in economic terms uh, within the confines and the opportunities of today's uh, situation? <clears throat> well, Jubilee USA, you know, we were founded uh, in the mid-1990s <clears throat> by major Christian Jewish religious institutions. And now, you know, we're interfaith representing more than 750 uh, Christian, Jewish, Muslim, and other faith uh, communities uh, and traditions and institutions uh, across the United States and, and around the world. Uh, and right now, uh, a lot of the work that we're doing uh, within that, that big coalition of religious groups and institutions uh, is focused on what Jubilee means in terms of uh, the response uh, that's taking place to the crises, uh, the mm. health and economic crises that have been spurred by the coronavirus pandemic. Yes. Uh, and, and, you know, I think what you were saying a few moments ago, Lee, was uh, very, um, you know, I, I was just, just so uh, telling, you know, when you were talking about the prayer of the Our Father uh, and uh, what does it mean um, to give us daily bread? What does it mean to uh, forgive us uh, our debts as we forgive the debts uh, of others? You know, it says something uh, that is a basis within most of, of our religious traditions or many of our religious traditions uh, that when we look back at, at scripture, 
uh, the idea of, of spiritual and economic uh, daily life were really inseparable concepts uh, that uh, in terms of being faithful to our creator, to one another, uh, to be uh, in that spiritual sense and right relationship of worshiping and being with the divine um, also is deeply connected to that relationship, that exchange, that ability to have daily bread. Uh, and while many uh, people who have, you know, had the ability to uh, be trained in theology or just to, you know, dig deep and, you know, read and explore scriptures and, and faith traditions, uh, you know, we see that there's this particular jubilee ethos that uh, is really a part of uh, our, 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 our religious traditions. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, I don't think that particular ethos, that idea that we should all be protected from having too much or too little, uh, really is extrapolated accurately, continuously from mm. the scriptures mm. to people that are sitting in the pews. And yeah. that's also, of course, Lee, why the work you are doing is so important with meeting with people uh, on, on how these economic issues, uh, which uh, impact their daily lives, are also really a part of a, a spiritual tradition. You know, when we look back at that ethos, you know, which is just so powerful, um, you know, we really believe from um, the Torah, the, the initial uh, Hebrew scriptures, um, Genesis, Deuteronomy, that what's within that is a story where God within seven days creates a rich and abundant world. We are closest to the creator when we're sharing those resources among us. And that idea, which comes from Genesis, was so important to the early believers uh, that then we see the Jewish law books emerge, which actually talk about legislating this, that every seven years, debts should be forgiven. Every seven years, slaves set free. Every seven years, the land should be allowed to rest and go fallow, where God is directly producing for us, but also uh, a very important part of an environmental message on stewardship wrapped up in Jubilee. And then every seven times seven years, the great Jubilee, um, the total time of restoration, when we go back to our ancestral lands and we have a continual process in place that protects our planet and protects each one of us from having too little or too much. And then Jesus comes along in the Gospel of Luke. He reads from uh, the scripture of Isaiah, which was part of the, the Jubilee canon, where the prophets came back as the Hebrew people. The Jews uh, were no longer living by the Jubilee promise, the Jubilee ethos, making sure we all had enough and were following the law. The prophets come to remind them. And Jesus, in his first public act, reads from um, Isaiah, one of the main reminders of the Jubilee promise. Uh, and uh, many of us are familiar. He enrolls the, 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 the scripture, uh, as was the tradition when you go back uh, to your, your hometown. He reads from Isaiah, uh, talking about slaves being set free and the great year of the Lord's favor. The great year of the Lord's favor uh, being the great Jubilee, the 49th or 50th year, when there is a total restoration in this continual process. Uh, and he reads from this, and he closes the scripture, and he says, now when you're hearing, you know, this is declared today. And we know from the scripture, the audience are like, you know, isn't this the day laborer's son from Nazareth? And he is telling us that all inequality is going to end today. 
Um, and so it's been that particular inspiration uh, that at Jubilee USA and our partners from the Evangelical Lutheran Church to the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops to American Jewish World Service and Islamic Relief that we work together on implementing in, in ways that can actually real, really change policy. And so in the face of the coronavirus, uh, that really is a response where we're dealing with the greatest economic shock since the Great Depression, while we're experiencing some recovery here in the United States and the only other country that will experience some recovery according to the data right now is China. Um, most of the world is going to do worse. We're looking at 265 million more people around the world uh, experiencing famine. Uh, in the United States, for the first time over the last year, we had 21 million more children uh, experiencing hunger. Uh, we are looking at parts of Asia and Africa and Latin America where uh, development will go back 30 years, where we will see some of the most significant increases in extreme poverty. And the reality is this uh, of this is some of the Jubilee solutions, which come from that biblical inspiration where we've won agreements with world leaders. If those agreements on debt relief, on aid, uh, on climate protections, ensuring that everyone has enough, on global bankruptcy, if these were actually implemented, we would not be dealing with as significant uh, as a crisis as we are today. So we ultimately believe that the policies uh, that are critical to work on right now uh, are the structural policies for how our economic system works. So these are debt policies, these are transparency policies, anti-corruption, um, tax issues. Um, right now, um, you know, we're dealing with very serious tax issues as Congress tries to come up with a budget that can provide more relief. Uh, for families uh, that are struggling. Uh, around the developing world, the developing world loses a trillion dollars a year because of tax evasion, tax avoidance, and corruption. Um, had these monies been captured in the developing world, they wouldn't be experiencing such a crisis. Yeah. Had that institutional jubilee process that we've been working on in terms of global bankruptcy that now Pope Francis endorses, um, had that been put in place in previous agreements after the 0809 crisis or in 2014 or 2015, we would have the tools right now in place to stabilize our economy. Um, so in the face of that, I think one of the things that's been very exciting and promising for Jubilee USA and our coalition uh, is that the issues we've worked on, uh, on solutions to preventing financial crisis, on debt relief, uh, on moving forward trade policies and tax policies, uh, which are for the common good and assure we're all protected from having too much or too little. These actual policies are being discussed on a national level by Congress, but they're also the primary issues that are a part of primary pandemic crisis response being discussed by the G20, the United Nations and the International Monetary Fund. So in some ways, uh, in terms of Jubilee's 25 year history, um, our, our work has never been uh, more significant uh, or important. Uh, so I would really invite people to go to our website, www.jubileeusa.org. When you go to jubileeusa.org, you can look at uh, our pandemic response report from 2020 and 2021. 
where we look at the very specific uh, campaigns that we've worked on um, to lift the vulnerable and address inequality in the United States uh, around the world, uh, as well as campaigns which also capture that jubilee ethos around pandemic response uh, around protecting our planet. Uh, because the pandemic is going on uh, and because climate issues continue to be so serious, I know a lot of us think that hopefully, you know, the United Nations is going to be able to figure out, you know, how we really deal with the climate issues. But we believe as a part of pandemic response over the next three to five years, the G20 and the International Monetary Fund will make the most consequential decisions on climate change uh, as a part of pandemic response, uh, either for the better or for the worse. Uh, and so we think that's also a very incredibly important jubilee issue to be focused on right now. Mm -hmm. Wow, you've just uh, given us some uh, powerful thoughts there in these last uh, minutes. Um, and I just wanna point out that as I continue to hear you talk throughout this conversation about um, not too much, not too little, this, this profound concept of enough, uh, which seems almost like an, the question of how much is enough seems unanswerable in a, in a growth economy because it's always, as Rockefeller said long ago, enough is a little bit more. And um, so th that instead of growth is, is how we really are to measure uh, the success of an economy, how many people are being left behind is how we can measure the success. And all the, your focus on structural economic change as an expression of jubilee and witness. Ah, much applause for all of that. I'm so grateful for this emphasis. And um, I'm afraid you may be out of time. Otherwise, I'd say, how did you come to all of this, Eric? What moved you to it? <laughs> well, well, let me just say, and Lee, I mean, thank you so much. You're such a a leader and have been for so long in terms of looking at these uh, these particular issues as you know before we began our conversation today I'd indicated to you you know year a few years ago when we had uh, met uh, when when we I came to visit one of, of the jubilee circles that that you have there um, you know we had hoped uh, to have in place by 2020 at least a series or beginning of, of conferences that would include you and so many others in looking at the connection of uh, a household debt, uh, community, nationally, globally, Jubilee, what does that mean um, for our lives, that question of enough. And so hopefully on the other side of the pandemic, we're still going to be able to have that, but if not, we're going to be you know, bringing together some virtual conversations uh, sooner than later. Now, in terms of, you know, how I got into this and my background, uh, in, in many ways, you know, that comes from um, my, my own experience at times of, of not having enough. And it also comes as being someone who's deeply rooted in their faith. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I think like for so many of us, there uh, are times that, that we experience, um, most of us, where we may not have enough or mm. our, our families are out of work or we're out of work. And certainly, you know, inequality in the United States has gotten worse during the crisis. But where we've seen about 65% um, of the population in the U.S. either maintain and then, a, you know, a very small sliver actually do much, much better 
uh, you were looking at 30 to 40 percent of the population that is going to be worse off post-pandemic, not better, even if the people at the top are making more money and it makes us look as if our economy is, is somehow yeah. doing better. Yes. I certainly had that experience uh, at times growing up um, where uh, we didn't have uh, enough. Mm. And so that question, I think, has been an important one for me. Uh, but it's also a question um, which many of our religious traditions uh, seek to answer, not only in the now, but really at their very founding, as, uh, as, as we've discussed today. So I also found myself kind of with that struggle with faith, that connection uh, of what does it mean to have enough? Uh, what does it mean uh, if we're all a part of a global community for Christians, if we're a part of this body of Christ, and if some of the mm -hmm. body of Christ is suffering, what does it mean uh, in terms of our response uh, as a body? Uh, if one of us is suffering, all mm -hmm. of us are suffering. And so for me, I think that was a very important formation uh, in, in terms of understanding these issues. And uh, in high school and, and college, I start to really, really delve into these, these questions of the Jubilee promise, uh, the Jubilee ethos. And that, of course, really led to my vocation, which has been working with religious institutions and communities and, and groups for the last 25 years, mm -hmm. uh, specifically uh, on jubilee questions of economic rights, of having enough, uh, as well as, you know, what does it mean to, to live in dignity with the creator, the whole mm -hmm. question of, of human rights and, and, and preventing conflict uh, so that uh, we're all pr protected within the body of Christ, but we all uh, have access to uh, enough, uh, and we ensure that seven generations from now our planet will still be here for our great, 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 great grandchildren. Oh, yes, yes. Well, in this wonderful ongoing conversation, I would say even crescendoing conversation of Jubilee, we have to put a semicolon uh, right here and bring this to conclusion. But um, I'm really grateful for all that uh, you've shared in this time. You've packed a lot into it for us and uh, we'll be able to um, share this in a variety of, I hope, productive and strategic ways. And uh, folks, we're gonna visit that website, right? Give it to us one more time. We'll put it in our show notes too, by the way. Great, well, it's jubileeusa.org. And I would say, you know, right now, uh, you know, our work has really been on the forefront of the structural response to the health and economic crises spurred by the pandemic. In fact, just last week, uh, we won a campaign of $650 billion to get more aid and pandemic response to the developing world, more than mm. we've ever won before. Uh, but I would say that because so many people in the United States and around the world are really struggling, and there's a question of if we're going to leave people and planet behind, yes. if your listeners do visit jubileeusa.org, uh, please look at one of the campaigns, make a call to Congress, uh, you know, do something. I should also say that congregations, communities will be participating in Jubilee Weekend uh, as world leaders make decisions in mid-October on all of these issues, from vaccine distribution to debt relief to environmental policies. Um, if you go to our website at jubileeusa.org, you're going to find out how you can have an impact between now and October on these make or break decisions. 
Thank you, Eric. It's been rich. You've been listening to Lee's conversation with Eric LeCompte. Have you listened to our other recent episodes? In April, arborist Robin Rivet on reversing climate crises through informed tree actions. Jubilee Economics Ministries continues to work with Robin. Planting and tending trees has become a radical spiritual practice as the planet continues to lose trees every year. In May, Nettie Astundio on adding environmental actions to our spiritual practices. Nettie works with the organization Green Faith. In June, Carrie Radloff on Midwest environmental activism. She's an activist in a region of political conservatism. In July, Matt Brennan, an advocate for your congregation and nonprofit on how to install solar panels. Listen and learn how your congregation and nonprofit organizations can get clean solar energy. And in August, Brenda Weiss, feminist economics is creating just systems that meet current crises. Do listen. You're sure to pick up thoughts you'll value. We certainly did as we created those episodes. You can subscribe to this podcast under the name Simple Living Works at your favorite podcast service. Individual episodes are available at Jubilee's new website, oneearthjubilee.com, and also simplelivingworks.org, window number three. Urge your friends to do the same. You're welcome to subscribe to Simple Living Works' various free publications. For our monthly e-news, send subscribe to simplelivingworks at yahoo.com. For our weekly email that provides brief, daily, simpler living nudges, send nudge to the same address, simplelivingworks at yahoo.com. Please tell us your thoughts on these subjects in this episode. Leave a message on the Jubilee One Earth Economics and Simple Living Works Facebook pages. Until next time, this is Jerry Iverson of Simple Living Works with co-host Lee Van Ham of Jubilee One Earth Economics, wishing you well as we strive together to bring simpler One Earth living into being for the common good. Learn to live simply so others can live.